for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I've drawn my elk tag. What now? Except for Idaho, all the western draws are complete. And there are a lot of hunters out there dancing the happy tag jig. Well, here at Elk Bros., we're already getting emails from hunters with questions covering all sorts of topics to get ready for the 2019 elk season. Well, first of all, congratulations, guys and gals. You've drawn your elk tag. And all of our inspiration for today's topics are from your questions. But what now? In this week's episode, we hope to help you out with some of that list and hopefully inspire some more questions for next week. So my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volume just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkGrows.com, with your host Gilbert Ornelas and elk hunting coach Joe Gillian. You want to hunt elk? And they live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello again, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy our show. And for those blue collar hunters out there following our show, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, coming to you live from Dallas, Texas tonight. <laughs> and join me, your elk hunting coach, Joe Gillia, minus Chav Chavez. Yeah, that gummit man. Chav, get healthy, bud. Uh, he's he's yeah. a. Uh, I don't think it's a wall. It's like uh, <laughs> a a w i i uh, absent with illness. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. We wish him all the best and you hope bet. he gets well soon. Got to have him back. Love Chad and his input. Right. Joe, before we get to the shout outs, you had a couple of things you wanted to talk about tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is pretty cool, guys. Listen up. So with a bunch of grinders out there getting ready for 2019, and that's basically what this whole show is about this evening. I mean, we've been getting all kinds of questions coming in because guys now have got their tags and that's what we said what now there there's a lot of nervousness a lot of uneasiness a lot of questions about gear what to have where to go uh and and we're going to talk about those in a little bit but one of the big concern is always about knowledge of their hunt area and gilbert like like we have done on a lot of our things we've talked about some of the stuff that has helped us out and one of the big uh tools that we use is Onyx, and uh, and I've said that all along because when it comes to having a GPS or paying a thirty dollars subscription for Onyx for the state that you're going to hunt, you know, like we said, that money you're saving using that Onyx subscription 
you can buy a whole lot of baloney. So, <laughs> oh yeah, no doubt. So in doing that, it's really cool because um, I made contact with Onyx and they want to help us help others because that's what we've talked about. And they're going to supply us with some gear and some gift cards to pass on to some of our listeners. So guys, here we go. It's giveaway time. <laughs> that's awesome, Joe. Yeah, it's way cool, man. Um, if you want a chance at an Onyx app gift card or some gear, here's what you got to do. So the contest is going to run from today. It's Tuesday, June 25th until Friday, June 28th. What we're going to do is we're going to select the lucky winners from our Elk Bros Camp members that are also following us on Instagram. So here's what you got to do. If you are not currently a camp member, you need to go to elkbros.com scroll all the way down to the bottom and join our elk camp join our camp and what that does it puts you on a mailing list so that we can always con send when we send information information out weekly uh if if we have a new podcast if we have a couple coming out if we have any new videos or if we have any promotions or giveaways like this you're in the know so you need to go there and join our camp but do me a favor, make sure you check your spam because after you join it, it does send you an email so you can authenticate and make sure that it's you. Uh, secondly, all you got to do, we didn't make this real difficult. Just follow us on Instagram because when we go and draw those people from, uh, from the pool of our campers, we're going to go check and see if they follow us on Instagram and that's how we're going to select our winners. So, um, first of all, thanks to Onyx. I think it's so cool that they're helping us to help you guys. Um, uh, I, I think that's pretty special and it really gives you guys an opportunity to make sure you have one of your areas covered because man, I tell you the things that you can do, uh, the value of that tool is incredible. So, uh, go ahead, join our camp, follow us on Instagram and we'll announce the winners at our next one on the following Tuesday. Okay. That would be um, awesome. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Right, we're so, so lucky that we got Onyx participating. I mean, you and I have used this app for a few years now, and it's been so awesome. We use it down here in Texas on our on our whitetail mule deer exotic country, too. I mean, it's it's a fantastic app. Well, so, so our grinders know out there, too, um, we are not paid ambassadors of any kind, for Onyx, and, and, but right. we are people that believe, and the only things you're ever going to hear out of us is things that we believe in, and I think it's a great help to you. I think it's going to help you in your hunt. I think it makes you fearless out in the woods. Uh, we've already talked about things you need to make sure you have besides that, but I, it's a big win-win for you guys, okay? Um, next, uh, I want to thank a friend of mine. It's kind of funny. I, I've got a a buddy and you guys uh if you watched um or listened to our first insights edition it was done with lance bernal he's a game biologist from vermejo park and if you've never checked out vermejo park vermejo park is almost northern new mexico in this section buddy i mean it's what 92 square miles 600,000 acres and yeah, it's unbelievable, beautiful, has all the different zones, and Lance is a game biologist for there, and uh, Lance is trying to edumacate this, uh, this boy right here. Every time I post something, I've always used the term horns, and it drives him, do not say horns in front of a game biologist. <laughs> Mm, not especially when they can reproduce antlers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great, real quick, Joe. Yeah, so so he's been uh, he's been dogging me on on any of the posts whenever I say horns. He's like antlers. <laughs> it ain't a cow. <laughs> so I, I you know, he's a good friend of mine, and uh, I tell you, he's just a great person. He's somebody that uh, does everything the right way, really honors the animals. And I, and I tell you, if you have not listened to that first Insights edition, uh, go back and listen to that because he gives some incredible insights on elk behavior because this guy is a pro at what he does. And so lastly, 
all of tonight's topics, everything that we're talking about is listener influence. We listen to the questions, we look and, and all of them basically, even though they're kind of different in some ways, it was basically on the same thing. It was people wanting to get prepared, people that were uneasy about some things happening in 2019 and, uh, and, and really influenced that. So I wanna give some shout outs to those guys. Uh, Matt Deal from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You know, we just talked about Pennsylvania the other day. We and, did, uh, yeah. Yeah. I can tell. yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Matt, thank you for your stuff that came out. out. Uh, we also had questions both from Kyle Windsor. Oh, Kyle from Windsor, Colorado, and Keenan Gibson from Kansas. And I want to double thank those guys because, you know, we've asked a lot of our listeners, if you would just do us a favor, you know, subscribe to us on our, our Elk Bros channel on YouTube. Uh, please go to um, iTunes, go to Apple Podcasts, and, and please uh, rate and review us there. We, you know, those reviews really help us out a lot. And these guys went on there and gave us some great reviews. Um, also, uh, other questions came from Kendrick Logan of Missouri and Chad. Yeah, a Missouri boy. And yes. <laughs> we've had a few of those in Elk Camp before, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The infamous Shane Peters and Ron Peters. Oh, my gosh, man. Yes, yeah, the, the, those boys know how to liven up an elk camp, don't they? I tell you what, Every if, day. If, if you want to liven up an elk camp, bring in some boys from Missouri, boy. And, and they're a father-son uh, team, and, and they're just Un – Unbelievable, Joe. They, we had them down pig hunting with us in South Texas, uh -huh. and they had a blast. They yeah. brought a freezer with them, Joe. They took back <laughs> like 11 hogs, right? And they were like – they had them stacking them. They were killing them so fast. They were stacking them. They were like, man, this is a lot of work butchering all these hogs. <laughs> <laughs> like, boys, I tried to tell you, you know. Well, if you but, haven't been to a Missouri pig picking, buddy, you haven't, you haven't had something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then uh, last on that list was Chad Hashin. And, Chad, I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, forgive me if I'm not. You can uh, send me an email and correct me. And Chad is from Bismarck, North Dakota. Really yes. cool representation there. So uh, I just wanted to uh, give a shout out to those guys that, that sent in a bulk of our questions and got our theme going tonight. Yes, sir. And I'd like to remind all of our listeners out there and, and, and our grinders, that if you're a listener and you'd like your questions answered, just send your question to info at elkbros.com. That's info at elkbros.com. Yeah, you bet. And, you know, it was funny because you remember when Chav said, <laughs> Chav goes, and no dumb questions. <laughs> yeah, hey, no dumb questions. <laughs> he corrected himself. I mean, there are no dumb questions. Right. I think he was looking at me when he said that first time, and then he, he made everybody <laughs> else feel better, right? <laughs> he probably is he probably is no doubt well joe you know what's next yeah. it's our elk pro shout out time yep so if you're new to the show these are the shout outs to just a few cities and uh the most listeners topping out our show our charts this week gilbert our last show just blew up man it was awesome to see those numbers going up we're we're already um you know we're getting close to two thousand listeners a week it is just so cool. I mean, I can remember when we got 30 listeners. I was like, Gilbert, we got 30 <laughs> listeners, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, really taking off. And we can't thank the guys out there enough for supporting us and rating and reviewing us. We just, this is a, been a dream come true for us, something we're real passionate about. And I think there's a whole bunch of grinders out there that are pretty passionate about it with us. You know, gotten nothing but great feedback and uh, thank you guys for allowing us to continue to coach. So, um, Amen, popping the brother. charts this week. Don't miss the culture of French Bosque dining and the staple cocktail of choice, which is a pecan punch. And pecan punch, man. It. it I had to look this up. P i c o n. And uh, right. yeah, I was like, is it pecan? Pecan. Right. But. Pecan Punch in Gardnerville, Nevada. I'll be dang. Gardnerville, <laughs> Gardnerville, Nevada in the house with their punch. Yeah, that comes from that. It's uh, that Bosque is that French influence, French immigrant influence that was really big and strong up there in in, in Nevada. 
yeah, you know, the Kunas boys I hang out with, they make a sauce pecan. And uh, <laughs> it's a little bit different uh, where they cook some cubion, sauce pecan, stuff like that. It's, uh-huh. a, it's definitely a, oh. a French cuisine. Oh, yeah. Correct? Awesome, man. Yeah. Well, coming back to the largest city in Oregon represented with more breweries per capita than any other city. A big Elk Bro shout out goes to Portland, Oregon. <laughs> Portland. So more breweries than any other city. You know that that's why that's a happy place, man. No doubt. <laughs> no doubt. You can't be happy with plenty of beer. Well, two things, man. You got because they're known for their beer and they're known for their coffee, right? That's it. Do the beer at night and wake up in the morning. (laughs) Plenty good elk hunting in Oregon as well. Next up, originally named South Arkansas, it is known as the heart of the Rockies, and mountain bike trails are just so good, and the mountains are so gorgeous here, you won't want to travel anywhere else anymore. Salida, Colorado. Man, that's awesome. Salida, Colorado. You know, in, in... I had some boys up there that were saying, man, we got to get some of our northern northern guys on there so we can get a shout-out. So there's that Colorado. <laughs> there it is. Well, next up, the city synonymous with the Wild West. Their frontier days and rodeos are known as the daddy of them all. Has been thrilling visitors for over 120 years. None other than Cheyenne, Wyoming. The biggest, I believe that's the biggest city in capital, correct, isn't it? I believe so, yes. Uh, there in, uh, in Wyoming. I mean, that, that Wild West Frontier Days is a blast. I, the only, the biggest rodeo I've ever been to in the world is a Calgary Stampede, right? So, oh, really? I mean, yeah. yeah. That, that's gigantic. Yeah, and, that's and, crazy, you know, though. <laughs> it's, it's a week. I mean, it's, cra- it's half a month, you know, so... Right. I mean, it's, it's really awesome. Uh, those Canadians got it going on up in Calgary. Well, I guess they're expecting about 400,000 visitors to this, to the, wow. to the frontier days. That's a, you know, that's a- it doubles the size of the place and real quick. So yes, sir. last but not least, you can double your pleasure at Texas chocolate and barbecue, take the mega challenge at Mel's country cafe, or pick your own fruit at the Matt family orchard in Tomball, Texas. Absolutely. You know a little bit about that place? I know a little bit about that. If you go two streets north of my house, Joe, you're in Tomball, Texas. If you go three streets west, east, you are in the Woodlands, Texas, and two streets right behind me, you're in Spring, Texas. So my brother's to the north there in Tomball, the northwest right there. Mel's Country Cafe is one of the coolest cafes in all of the state of Texas. I challenge anybody to go there and try to eat the large Texas fried <laughs> fried steak. I mean, it, it is the deal. And their hamburgers are legendary at Mel's Cafe. Well, I tell you, if any of you guys ever go over there, let them know that they've been talked about on uh, the on our on our blue collar elk hunting show. So absolutely, I'll let Mr. Mel know that we uh, give him a shout out just the other night. Oh, you just want a big burger? I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> Without the bun, Joe, I'm still on the keto. Okay. So, uh, guys, if you like what we're doing, please subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, You have to go to Apple Podcasts. A guy, you know, sent me today and said, you know, I don't have iTunes. Well, you can download it for free. Go to iTunes and uh, if if you want to, and please review for us. You can check out more of our content. Go see some of our stories. I have one now. Uh, We have one on there about preparedness on our Elk Bros site. So, go check it out. Yeah, and Joe, tonight it's all about questions or from our readers, and right. uh, you know how to how to get them ready for the 2019 season. Right, so I'm gonna let you kick us kick us right off, Joe. Okay, so what I did, I kind of broke these up in different areas, and one of them, a big one, a lot of people was asking about the same thing and combined different stuff. It said, "Is there anywhere when hunting archery to get away from crowds?" and <laughs> uh, you know, I had guys from Colorado, I had people from Idaho, I had people, you know, for some reason there wasn't a whole lot of people from Wyoming doing this, but a lot of Colorado, and uh, I, I didn't get any on New Mexico as far as the crowds, And but I'm telling you, we got our crowds too here. Uh, Amen. But, they, you know, they were like, so what do we do? Do we go solo backpack? 
Um, do we do wilderness areas? Do we do national forests and evade the, avoid those main outfitter trails? Or um, do we head to those, you know, in Colorado, those alpine meadows above 10,000 feet? Or do we go down lower to the pine oak areas? And, you know, I think we can kind of hit a lot of these things and kind of answer them separately. So uh, the, the first thing that I want to do is for you guys, because a lot of you talked about Colorado and, and uh, I know a couple of you talked about Idaho, but you know, when I'm bow hunting, uh, we generally, where we're at, we're in pretty much a high use area and we're going to bump into people. If you're looking for that experience to get someplace, sometimes I want you to think, and, and Chav and I made this mistake when we were first hunting, is that we went to an area, and this is how we found our honey hole. We went to an area and we thought, dude, we got to go back 10 miles to get away from everybody. Well, we hadn't gone a mile and a half in and our truck broke down. And <laughs> <laughs> so we ended up we were like well we'll just camp here until somebody pulls us out and so we started camping just a mile and a half from where everybody else was heading in and buddy we had the best elk hunt ever and everybody was driving by those elk so a lot of times that you know there, there's a few things I've heard people say different stuff they're like usually after the first mile and a half after a trailhead, it thins out. But then there's going to be that magic point that you get up into there where people are wanting to camp, you know, those outfitters and, and those high wilderness camps. So there's kind of a sweet spot in there. And I would tell a lot of those people is, is sometimes, you know, check out the areas, do your homework for those areas that, aren't all the way back in you know do you have to get up there above 10,000 feet to be able to to hunt elk and, and be by yourself well there's a lot of people have that same thought and you get up in those high mountains and those deep canyons those bugles carry a long way and uh so you know it, people end up chasing those bugles so that's just something for you to to think about well joe i think I think there's if you're doing your your pre planning with with onyx and things of that nature and seeing those high mount high meadows and high forests up there and alpine forests and then the lower brush country that are maybe pinyon oak or whatever and that that lower country's loaded with acorns right I know where I'm going to be I mean out the cows are going to be where the food's at so are right? the bulls too yeah all, yeah right all those animals are slaves to their bellies mm -hmm. right. So at the end of the day, water, food, and then the concentration of cows are going to bring those bulls. For me, early season bow hunting is all about finding those groups of cows Correct. that those bulls are going to be after. Absolutely. So for me, I like to see both areas. If I got quite a bit of acorn sign down below and I don't have it up above, I'm thinking I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to hunt with everybody and let them go right on by me. And uh, we've seen that happen, huh, Joe? Yeah, we have. Um, you know, one of the guys when he when he uh, sent his question in said that he was kind of worried about the thicker country because it was harder to spot with binos and from high points. And all I want to tell you is, don't worry about that. You don't no need doubt. those binos because you don't see them. You just need to hear them. The best places and the my favorite places to hunt are in the thick timber in that oak brush and and the reason mm -hmm. i i like that is is because the main two things that are going to give you away to an elk is you remember you can get <clears throat> you can get by their ears because they're used to sounds you can make all kinds of sounds and sound like a, an elk walking around in fact i've done stomping like that and had <laughs> animals come in close to me because they thought i was another critter you know, absolutely. I've watched you do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But the eyes, you can might be able to feed, you know, fool them a couple of times, but you're not going to fool that nose. So yeah. once you get in that thick country, now they hear those noises and they think it's another elk as long as you're making elk sounds. 
and you've eliminated the eyes, the only thing they have is the nose. And if you're making those right calls, that thick country, yeah, you, when you spot them, you're not going to be able to spot them far away, but what do you want to do? Do you want to look at them or you want to shoot them? Yeah, <laughs> That's kind of yeah. where I'm at with that. Because if you want to look at them, find some place where you can see through the pines for 80, 100 yards, and those yeah. are the bulls that are going to hang up at 80, 100 yards because they're wanting you to show their self show yourself where right. you get in that thick oak brush they're going to have to come to you because they can't see you and now you're going to end up with 12 15 yard shots you know it's yeah. going to be up close and personal and yep. it's just it, chav and i got in the middle of a herd in some thick oak brush last morning last day and we got in that herd ended up getting split apart and i shot a bull at I don't know, probably 12 yards. And, uh, you know, I started doing my scream bugle and stuff, my double bugle, ended up calling in more bulls doing that, but which is something you guys ought to put a light bulb on and kind of mark that, remember that. But I get Chav to finally come to me. I was like, man, I got one down. He's like, so do I. <laughs> so two <laughs> bulls went down in that thick oak brush that morning. And that has happened to us more than once. And, you know, me that morning I killed my big bull yeah I mean we called in seven bulls after I killed that big bull. one oh, that's it, it was crazy how many bulls that were coming through there and and that's one of the places where you can walk making noise and doing sounding like a little group of cows moving through there and you'll have those bulls move in from the sides you got to really watch your sides because they're going to be coming in to try to scent check and you know uh it's a great opportunity like that. So, you know, high um, mountain meadows above 10,000 feet or lower pine oak, again, has to do with the food source, has to do with where the cows are, like Gilbert said. Don't worry about the binos. And one guy said he thought about the pine and oak lower because he thought it might attract less people. So to that guy's credit, you know, you can think about, and like I said, we hunt in high use areas. There's a lot of people. And I mean, we're going down a, a trail, an ATV trail, and it's like daggum NASCAR, huh, Gilbert? Oh, oh yeah. Absolutely. Right? I mean, it's like, wow. And, like, what are you? Oh, I can't believe this. And all those guys were heading up to, you know, those higher areas, figuring they had to yep. get a long way away. We went down to the ugly stuff and uh, killed two bulls that morning. Smash uh, Should have had three down, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And last year, you know, we killed three bulls up top and then come to, and then just kind of ran out, went down below, found the acorns again. And then our three other guys had all had shot opportunities. One guy connected, should have had three more bulls down in that lower country too. Right. So, I mean, we, it we've seen it happen both times you just got to be willing to to make those decisions and and have plan a and play plan b right and it was full of acorns at the time so it, it was a we good learned, place to be i learned a valuable lesson there that, that you know on day two or day three we need to be checking to see how many acorns are down there because <laughs> if they're there the elk are going to be sure I'm sure in there every time we've been there right, right? And, so. and the other thing is is when the acorns are down there have a bear tag with you because you're going to have a lot of encounters yeah, with that boy, as well. I, you know i tell you what those dang bears are like big raccoons man yes, they're, they're unbelievable <laughs> tearing man. things up now i do want to say though i i don't want to sound anti-wilderness or anything like that no absolutely not i well, especially Colorado Joe because I mean there are a lot of people that want to stay around the tor trailheads and sure. I've got a real good friend of mine Gene uh Gene that hunts Colorado a lot and he he hunts where most people don't ever want to go right and he kills a lot of big bulls sure there. most so, definitely and, and Gene Stockies is his name really good guy that's hunted to, to add something to that too is you know we've always talked about low use areas and high use areas where elk are used to uh, human encounters. Well, if there's any state that those elk are going to have encounters with people during the summer months and during that time before the season, it's Colorado because Colorado is an outdoor mecca. I mean, you drive around Colorado and there's more people biking up and down those highways than you'll see anywhere. 
and there's yeah. more people that are hiking, camping, and going back. So it's actually, to me, it's almost uh, a high-use area in some sense where those those elk do get used to people. And uh, the experience of backpacking in country and finding a place where you are kind of alone or you can get into some ridges or, or do some uh, – uh, and I'm going to talk about another technique here in a minute, but it, it's incredible. I've done it before. And, you know, I've even done horseback and horseback. If you've never ridden a horse up into the mountains to hunt with, they, they add a different element that you have to worry about. But man, I mean, it just, it's just so soul refreshing. Uh, it's just so fulfilling. So that's awesome. The only thing is when you said solo and I, I'm not a big solo hunter, even though I've hunted on my own, but I have groups that we come back to camp with. And uh, sometimes, you know, we'll split off a couple of guys, but to be totally by yourself up in the wilderness can be very fulfilling. But like I've said before, that is one of the toughest things a person will ever do. Because if you plan on being successful, you got to think about the time of year. You got to think about the weather, which means you got to get that meat off the mountain and, uh, I'm telling you, it will test you. And, and my hat's off, man. My, my hat's off to those guys that, that do that. Um, it takes a passion. It takes a love. And which I will never say anything against because anybody that has that kind of passion that wants to do that and it fulfills their soul, go get after it. Okay. Um, wilderness areas, a lot of times those wilderness areas attract a lot of those outfitter camps in there. Again, I don't worry about being someplace where other people are camping. I don't worry about being in some place where other people are hunting because I'm not able to tell you if I had a nickel for every time I pass somebody in the woods after I've been in elk all morning long and they tell me they hadn't seen or heard a hare or heard a bugle one, buddy, it happens so much. And it's just because their skill set is not allowing them to have success. So all it takes is just one. Yeah. That's yeah, that's uh that's Trent Fisher and and uh born and raised, that's their theme. It only takes one, right? Yeah. So um uh, one other thing too, if you are hunting in the mountains and you are hunting where there's other people hunting, then what I tell people is you can hunt like you're in wolf country, treat other hunters like wolves. They're chasing bugles just like the wolves do. So the way to get past that is by hunting in the timber in midday because the sounds don't carry as far. And you can night bugle, go out and do some work when most people are sleeping. And that's the nice thing about having your camp on your back is you can walk some of those ridges and you can night bugle and hear some of those calls and back off so your scent's not going down in that canyon and you're ready man you're ready for the next morning that to me is cool and i've done that i mean i've gone out at night and i've stayed with herds all night long on tough hunts where we had full moon and uh, and we had heat so i wanted to be on them first thing so i mean i stayed with them all night and i was right on them at daytime and that is so cool it's so much fun so you can hunt in timber at midday, do those midday hunts when it's thick. You can get some great opportunities, night bugle. And the other thing is to use those low volume elk sounds because all the hunters out there, all you guys have been listening to all these different things and, and you, you hear people just going and screaming bugles and, and you're listening for that high pitch bugle. And I tell you what, you get in those trees and you start doing things like, like raking making those low uh, guttural noises, uh, cow calls, sound like a glunking, a bull that's got a, a, a cow in heat. You know, you start doing some of that breeding type sounds in there. And now you're not challenging bulls out there. You're acting like a bull that has those cows with you and has a cow that's coming in estrus. And you do not understand how far those sounds, that's what they're listening for. Yeah. And those bulls that, uh, in those states that do have wolves, when people say they're not hearing them bugle, they're still making elk noises, but they're making those low volume elk noises. You know, I remember a time, Joe, uh, 
I was hunting with the famed cowboy R.C. Knox. <laughs> and, uh, and I believe you were with us that that it was a midday deal. We went out on midday and you could only hunt to midday and then you had to leave us. It was the first first evening I ever arrowed a bull 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> R.C. Knox was with me and we were just, I mean – sitting down, having some granola, waiting for things to get right when we hear a little, and that was it, just above us, right? So RC, all he did was break out a little pipe, just a little, like, copper pipe, and he went with that pipe. (laughs) I looked at him like, what in the world? And then he took out that hyper call and went, like, man, the woods erupted with bulls, man. (laughs) I'm like, oh, my God. I'm talking, I bet if we didn't have 10 bulls around this, Joe, and it happened in seconds, right, we didn't have one bull around us. I had, we had a bull that he begged me to shoot because he was going to run us over. It was going to either run us over or do something else to us. He didn't want the second time. I thought it was defense, huh? Well, I'm sure glad yeah. you didn't, buddy. <laughs> yeah. It's like, do something. He's going <laughs> to kill us. I mean, that bull's six feet from us with his head down, ready to jump. I've never seen anything in my life well, that's like that. He I, came at you guys, huh? He did. Yes, sir. And I drew on the bull and that freaked him out when I drew, but I had to do something because I'm telling you, he was coming, brother. <laughs> and uh, R.C. Knox will never forget that as long as I live. And uh, he's begging me to shoot that bull. And I'm like, that's not the bull I shot, R.C. He's like, the bull's fixing to kill us, man. So, uh, he was he was sure enough shook up. I was shook up. I mean, it was a, it was a grand time. Like I said, man, you know, I put so much time within you guys, with you guys, and there's been so many awesome stories that I could tell about whether we messed something up or we made something happen. Right, right. But we dared to be – that was a tough hunt. It was warm, you know, and, I, I mean, it was a tough hunt. I was fat as hell. I was 325 pounds. I couldn't hardly walk, you know. So, y'all took my fat butt up there and set me on that bench and – I'm telling you, the elk god shined on us that that that, uh, that midday because they come out of the they come out of that high timber and made one little bitty. That was it. It was. I mean, I don't. I could, we could have killed ten bulls that each. So there, there, there's two things I want to talk about there. First of all, I want to clarify and and make sure people understand that at first RC thought that bull was the bull that you guys already yeah. shot. Yeah, he thought, it was, and thought he was coming after you because he was wounded. Uh, right. Secondly, um, I, I want you to understand what happened there, because you heard that one bull that just give a little peep, and now you have no, you still don't have any idea what his disposition is. But what RC did was he pulled out that little whistle, right? And yes. that little whistle being a timid, immature bull, not coming across with any kind of challenge. Right. Another bull says, I'm right here. And then all of a sudden, what you called the hyper hot, which is really just, that's that cow doing an insistent buzz that's, you know, hey, I'm right here. I'm right here, you know, and like she's, like she's in heat, but she uses that call at different times. So that other bull that made that sound, and then those other bulls that were around him, he makes a noise, hears an immature bull, and then hears a cow sound like, you know, I'm right here. I'm insisting on you coming to me. And it sounded like a cow coming in heat and lit the woods up. We had the, we had the thermals right. We had the wind right. We were below those elk that were above us, bedded down. Right, right. He heard that little racket. Those bigger bulls pushed all those cows off that edge because they thought, oh, man, here we go. We got a bunch of young bucks coming from the bottom, right? (laughs) And they just pushed them off, and the cows started coming to see what was up, right? And then chaos broke out, right? Yeah. So we kind of made the story happen for us. But, I mean, we're sitting there eating granola. I mean, (laughs) seriously, hadn't heard nothing. I mean, you guys had put on a great show, and you'd bucked out and, you know, had to go back to to your real job. And, man, at the the end of the day, I'll never forget it as long as I lived, you know. Yeah. Um, Everything I forgot about – Everything I learned about bow hunting run out the crack of my butt. I've never in my life had that big an animal screaming 
I mean, he's screaming in my face at 19 yards, right? And he come from 41, and that's the only thing I could remember, 41 yards, right? Right. When I threw that bow, it, he turned broadside at 17, 19. I put my 40-yard pin on him and let it rip. <laughs> you know, I, like I said, I mean, I've never in my life been that intimidated. You're down on your knees, and they're so big. They're like a Clydesdale horse coming at you. Right. And they literally aggravated, and they're mad. You know, and uh, it was very intimidating. Jimmy. So for for those guys coming from that whitetail country, and we have a lot of people say, "I'm on my first hunt. I've hunted whitetails." Understand that too, you know. And and we try to tell people, not only is it a change in the size of the animal, that's something you have to consider with what type of broadhead you use. You know, uh, you know what kind of, you know, arrow weight. Right. You know what you want as far as penetration with that arrow and those kinds of things. So. It is a big, strong, tough animal. So live six weeks with one lung. Yeah, yes, sir. And uh, I'm gonna yep. go. Uh, I'm gonna go to the next one. And yes, sir. It, this was kind of good because the question was something like: even though a person can get all this internet data, do you know get information from game biologists? Can look at everything? Uh, you know on. Uh, well, like we said, on OnX and, and Google Maps and do all their research, how do you still overcome that uneasy, empty feeling of no on-the-ground scouting confidence? So I'm, I'm going to hit this one first, and I want you to hit, listen to what I say, Gilbert, and then just kind of interject with stuff. And sure. basically what I'm saying is, is that you got to change that whole mentality. You got to, I talk a lot about attitude when it comes to confidence and you know, you can put, you can do all that ground scouting ahead of time and we've done it and then show up a week, two weeks later and think, man, it's, it's just going to be blowing up. It's going to be awesome. And you get in there and it is, Church mouse quiet, <laughs> right? Yeah. Crickets. So it, it doesn't only happen to, to those people. And what I mean by change your attitude is this. Understand that it's an adventure. Go into it with an attitude of, okay, especially these guys that, that I think the one sentence that this is Colorado. You got to understand that Colorado has more elk in that state than just about any place. There are lots of animals, so finding an animal should not be an issue. You know, uh, don't go in worried about it. Go in excited with your other skill sets, with your calling, with your uh, abilities to have identified more than one area, not just one, more than one area. And go, in, go into that using the skill sets that you're learning here from all these other guys that you're doing that's developing that confidence and go in and make it happen. Find those bedding areas, find that sign, find those rubs, get whiffs of those animals, get those high ridges and start doing some night calling. Do the things that are going to create opportunities in your favor. Uh, I cannot tell you how to not have confidence because I can tell you this. There's a lot of guys every year that go into elk camp, even knowing the area, knowing the animal, um, and still going in with the attitude of, well, I might or might not get one. I mean, their, their mentality is already set to almost a defeated attitude. And what I'm telling you is, is don't go in with that. Don't go in with that empty feeling. Go in with that full feeling opportunity to get out in the woods, become part of that, of that circle become the hunter, hunt aggressively, and make it happen. And if you go to plan A, and you're not seeing any sign, you're not smelling any animals, you're not seeing any droppings, you're not seeing where they're, you know, where you're finding their bedding, then move. Don't spend all that time there. Go to plan B, because you don't want to, you don't want to force an area when there's no elk there. Okay? That's right. Yeah, anything to add to that, Gil? 
No, I, you know, we've, uh, we've, we've been there, you know, you and myself and, uh, several of our Venezuelan brothers, we've been there. We've, uh, we've hunted in an area, had great success two or three days. And then two days later there, you couldn't hear, there's not anything, right. you know, so we've had to make those decisions about going to plan A, B, and C. Uh, I think that's one of the things that over the long haul, you guys uh, have really instilled in us is can't just have one plan. Right. Got to have multiple plans so we can make it happen. And uh, we've been able to do that amongst everybody, uh, amongst all the odds, no matter how warm or cold, no matter how hot or dry, uh, any of that. We, right. We've all got a pretty good plan and i've said this a thousand times guys and y'all are gonna hear me say it again these animals are slaves to their bellies they got to eat they got to drink and they got to have cover you know so if you can you know i I did a lot of fishing in the day it was about finding the bait if we could find the bait we could find the bass and don't forget that bait is those cows too so you finding those cows you're going to find those bulls and you know that's that's your goal with that so yeah. yeah, no kidding, Gilbert. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's the biggest that. thing that I've taken. And the if, biggest thing I've taken away from. If you've done your homework, believe in that, and you know you've set yourself up already for an opportunity. Now go put the boots on the ground and make it happen. And if you have to, that first day, if you've got hunting buddies with you, you guys split and put the mileage on in different areas, and that yeah. way you're kind of and what I call hunt scouting at the same time. So uh, that's real key to do that. So next one was with the amount of snowpack this spring in some states, do you think water holes are going to more wide, be more widely available come late August, September? So, well, you know, um, I'm here in New Mexico and this is probably the wettest spring that we've had in a long time and the greenest that we've had with that said uh it doesn't take long with two weeks of heat and wind to change things doesn't take long at all so even though you have that snowpack now we're keeping our fingers crossed about that but yeah you can come up with more water holes or no i mean it there's no way to predict that. I mean, um, two years ago, this area where we live, we averaged about 16 inches of rain. By the 6th of October, we had almost 30 inches of rain. But after the 6th of October, did not get a drop of moisture throughout the winter. And it devastated the area. We ended up with a, a fire here of 44,000 acres that came within a half mile of my house. So, you know, that snowpack is great. That is putting us on a head start. But that does not mean anything come August, September. All right? Because you've got to deal with whatever nature's going to hand you at that point. But with that said, Understand this, if there is more water, how's that going to affect them animals? You know, if there's more water, if there's more feed, they're going to be more dispersed. And is that good or bad? Well, you know, I'm always a true believer that you deal with the situation. So you always make lemons into lemonade. And glass full. Yeah. And if they're dispersed, that just means that you have more opportunities to get into different groups of elk at different places by moving. It means that people in all different areas are going to be spread out as well. If the animals are dispersed, the hunters are dispersed. If the animals are congregated, the hunters are going to be congregated. So when they're dispersed, I think it gives more opportunity to everybody. When they're congregated, that's when you have to use special skill sets to be able to be the ones that are going to be on those animals. You've got to work harder. You've got to do the night bugling. You have to hunt the timber at midday. You have to use those low volume elk sounds. You have to do the things that are going to put things in your favor. So um, I'm hoping that it stays green like this because I'm already predicting anywhere from 50 to 20 inches additional on these bulls just from the feed that we've had. Uh, I'm seeing groups of 
six to nine antelope fawns out there together. That's awesome. Unbelievable where, you know, sometimes you're seeing one, two, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, the other day I'm coming home, there's nine fawns in a group. So that says that this is going to be an incredible year for calves, for fawns. It's just a really, really good spring this year. So uh, the animals are taking advantage of it. That's going to be a benefit for all of us. I will encourage anybody that's hunting, that's elk hunting this year, where they have a bear hunt at the same time, to get a bear tag and hunt those bears at the same time. Because if you didn't listen to our, our episode, our insights episode with Trent, he talked about a study there in Oregon called 13 Calves. And out of those 13 calves, two survived. One was killed by a bobcat. The rest of them were killed by bears. So, Joe, would clarify that. Are they, are they talking about black bears or are they talking about the grizzlies? No, this is black bears. Wow. A wow. black bear will literally follow uh, an animal that he's able to smell that's given birth. And, uh, you know, It'll just follow that cow until she gives birth and, and then, and then feed. So, uh, they are incredible predators. Uh, you know, in our state, we've got a bunch of them. So, uh, I'm not where, not sure where other states are. If you're in a grizzly state, uh, be careful, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's a whole different ball game there. Um, I had a question that somebody, and I love this because, this guy said, how many coolers do you recommend having on hand in the truck to hold an elk? <laughs> That's my boy right there. He's planning for success. Yes, sir. So yeah. if you bone out an elk, um, depending on the size of that animal, uh, I always plan on about 200, 250 pounds of meat from uh, after a boned out animal. If you're going to put all the quarters in, it's going to take a little bit more cooler space, twice as much most likely because you're going to put it on ice. Uh, In that rosy country, those bulls are bigger. So you're going to probably look anywhere from 300 to 350 pounds in there. Uh, If if you want to know more exact, you know, send an email to those uh, born and raised fellows out there because that is their specialty, those Roosevelts. Um, Yeah. But for that, for those Rockies, you know, uh, so 120 to 160 quart cooler, um, I can load one elk in it. Uh, if I, uh, if I get a really big bull and I've gotten a bull where I was, you know, up to close to 300 pounds and that, you know, I did, I actually did one big cooler and a smaller cooler because I make sure that it's completely on ice on there because that way we can stay up in the mountains for days and, and let other people hunt. I bring three Joe. Uh-huh. So uh, I killed, we killed that big bull and it took two coolers uh, to put him in. We deboned him. He was big, but I brought another cooler so I could keep his cape uh, right. dry. Ooh, right. So I put another, I put his cape in there and then uh, either the skull plate or whatever, you know, off to the side. But, right. Uh, Want to be be sure, guys. If y'all are you're gonna put your animal on the wall, you want to make good sure that either bring you some salt with you to salt the cape after you get done with him, and good make point. sure keep him cool and dry. Uh, that's the most important is to keep him cool and to keep him dry. That'll keep that hair from slipping on your hides. Good point. Really good point. And uh, when you say three coolers, what size, Gil? I, I bring three one fifties. Yeah. Right. There you go. So. Uh, whether to have it, not need it, and need it, not have it. It's kind of like a good handgun, Joe. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we, we, we bring all those coolers, and a lot of times we leave them down below, and if we need to go get them, we can go get them. But we got trailers and stuff like that, so we load them up. And, you know, like I said, it's better to have them, don't need them, than need them, don't have them. Yeah, good point. Excellent. Um, and, and, look, we load them with ice. We load them with ice, and we're, if we need to go down and go get them, we go get ice or whatever we need to. Ice is fairly – I say fairly inexpensive. I mean, if you can bring, uh, you know, block ice, it tends to last. So here's a good point on that. I'm glad you talked about that. So you guys out there go and, you know, get uh, gallon milk jugs, um, fill fill them up with water, put them in the freezer, freeze them solid, 
and uh, you've got you've got great ice that's going to last you a long time while you're out there and doesn't cost you a cent other than you know a few cents of what you pay on your water bill because bags right. of ice now depends on the size you get you know be two two fifty two seventy five a bag you load up forty bags it's a it's a good little cost so we also not only do the gallon ones but we like to take Gatorade bottles and uh, and fill those because now they're a little bit smaller and. Well, if we put those with meat, we add water so it becomes an ice bath in there. So that's how we handle that. Um, if you only have five days, how do you tackle the dilemma of what and when to shoot? In other words, the mindset going into the hunt. Do you go into it with the mindset of taking the first legal animal, bull or cow? That was well, the question. A, that's a great question, Joe. You know, uh, I spent four years uh hunting able uh and so for me I, I think i made you and rc and carl and everybody else like aggravated want to pull your hair out because we passed a lot of bulls right we passed a lot of younger bulls and upshot opportunities that no doubt i probably could have made but it was for me it was about the hunt and when i closed that deal i my whole perspective changed after that well we had a conversation uh, yeah, we did. And and you're like, listen, this thing gets a little easier when you get one under your belt, right? right. You weren't lying. I mean, I hadn't missed one in seven, six and a half years, uh, plan on being seven uh, this year. So, I mean, I, for me, I've spent the money. I put the time in. If I get an opportunity, I, I live by this, guys. Today, I, I do it with my whitetail hunters, too. Don't pass an elk the first day you'd kill on the last day. Right. And that's just, that's just what I live by. Yeah. I, yeah. I say that to uh, people I'm guiding all the time, you know, because, yeah. but then again, it, so every person going in has to come to their own consensus. Manage expectations. Yeah, yeah. What they consider their trophy. And there's a lot of definitions. I'm telling you, any animal with the bow is a trophy. Amen, bro. <laughs> and, but I also, the people that have killed animals, and they're to the point where, or even at the beginning, where they say, well, I want the challenge of killing a mature bull. Get after it. Yeah, and, and that's an incredible challenge because that but animal. Be, be okay with going home with tag soup. Sure, and, and that's an animal that is smart. You know, I take advantage of the dumb ones. <laughs> it's right. like, Me too. Bird and bird in the bush. There I'm you taking go. Hand, baby. So, you know, that's oh, We of... like elk meat, Joe. I mean, my family loves to eat elk meat. and I can't eat those antlers. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, we can't eat them. Is there nice to look at? And, yeah, I mean, everybody wants to kill a macho big bull. Uh, but at the end of the day, we elk we're meat eaters, you know, so my kids love it. My wife tells me, you're going to go, go away for, for uh, eight to 10 days. Don't come back without one. So, so Lance, you, you heard him, man, uh, that came from him. And we're saying that, you know, we're not going to make soup out of the antlers, bud. So <laughs> I just got to, I got to work on making that guy's day. Uh, I, you know, also understand that, five days is plenty of time to do it. And, uh, I mean, it would be great. Awesome. Now I'm at the point where I can spend 11, 12, 14 days, uh, in the woods because of my current situation, but for years coaching and teaching and guiding, I had five days for myself before I had to be out guiding other fellas. So I had to get it done in five days and have done it for years getting it done. So uh, you need to have that conversation. And I'll tell you this, that if it's a dilemma of what and when to shoot, I heard somebody talked about this the other day and their litmus test was this was, I'm trying to remember who, whose it was. I'm not sure if it was, uh, uh, Michael Batiste or, or one of those other guys, but their litmus test was if, your heart rate elevates when that animal gets in front of you. If you truly get excited, then that's a trophy. There should be no question about it. You know, if you hear that heart coming out the mouth, 
then you need to you need to do what you need to do and 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 make a good clean kill on that animal because you're in the moment it's exciting your adrenaline's going that is a trophy so uh i agree with that what's that i i, I agree with that joe I, you know the the morning i killed that big bull i had a cow at 12 yards right and i drew and i drew on her sure i'm at full draw she is dead meat right cleared a little bush i'm getting ready to touch it off i'm actually settling that pin covering my release and i i catch a movement out of the corner of my eye and that bugle <laughs> i turn and i look and i'm like oh my gosh that changed the whole game well that changed the story right there <laughs> yeah i let it down and i'm like all right well now now things just got a little interesting right so i i would say that for me every day i go out uh whoever sent that question it's a great question but for me every day i go out if i get an opportunity to kill kill an elk i'm gonna take that opportunity right a legal a legal elk right sure. whether Definitely. you have a your sex tag or a cow tag or a bull tag uh for me it's it's not about the antlers for me it's about uh, providing my family with the sustenance it's all about the hunt for me right there you and go. i killed that tag i could have killed that cow counted coup on her for sure he comes strutting out there at 69 yards in the oak brush country oh, i mean yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can't i can't get one of them 10 yard gimmies in, in the oak brush nope. country i spread nope. like star wars over the hills <laughs> and through the woods right yeah. but we got it done so uh, at the end of the day, I think guys just need to manage their expectations and live live true to it. And right? like I said, live. though, killing elk is a habit. Yeah. I mean, you get that first one under your belt, it gets a little easier. And, yep. uh, and I don't know if that's just that confidence thing and knowing and seeing the effectiveness of what you did as a hunter and belief in yourself, belief in your equipment and belief that it can happen because it uh, – it just you know what? so you tune in a little differently, right? You know, I'd hit a couple of bulls before I killed one, and they were just tough shots. One I had a little deflection, and the other one, like I told y'all, everything run out the crack of my butt there when he was screaming <laughs> at, at seventeen yards. But um, I, you know, for me, it was all about uh, making that, making the shot. You know, right. making the making the right shot, right? And then. I tell you what cued, clued me into the right shot. I took my daughter, elk hunting, and she killed a bull with her crossbow, mm -hmm. okay, with a crossbow now. Mm -hmm. She shot that bull at 38 yards, and she hit him in a spot. When it hit that bull, blood flew out of him, and he was dead in 55 seconds. And that clued me in to an area on that animal that I want to be in and a lot of guys probably wouldn't try to shoot for that area, but I have in the last four bulls I've killed have been within, I don't know, six inches of that area. And they ain't, they ain't went 40, 50 yards and they're piled up. So for me, it was about learning the anatomy right. of that bull and right. driving that arrow through that zone. Right. That I, right. And, not, and having the confidence, knowing I put in the work, you know, you and I shoot at grave distances right. uh, to be able to feel confident at 40, 50, 60, 70 yards to make that ethical shot and, and understanding the body language of, of the bull. But I, I think I think if you live by what your decision is, you know, I had a couple guys last year with us that came into camp. I don't want to kill nothing but a six by six right six by six or bust okay all right well we're gonna we're gonna do everything we can to make that happen well, and it was real funny by the end of that deal they were like it don't matter <laughs> I'm just so ready to shoot well, it always gets me uh when people lock into antlers like that lance uh <laughs> that you can find a mature five by five oh, way man. bigger than some of them six by six rags i mean you start yeah. just counting points you know, it's that's not the case all the time. That's right. So that's right. Um, I'm getting ready to close out here, so we're going to do kind of our last call. And uh, um, one of the last areas of questions was: is what gear is needed for a hunt? We had people that asked what gear they need, or what should they carry in their day pack? What type of day pack? Um, we'll talk more about packs a little bit later on that, but to answer those questions for what gear you need for a hunt. If 
any of you with that question will go to elkbros.com and join our elk camp um, this Friday after this show is over this Friday you will receive uh, a link in a in a uh, email that goes out to our campers that's going to give you a link to a PDF of our elk bros gear list and Understand that that gear list, it is not a backpacking gear list. It's more of a base camp type list. And there's things on there that's not going to apply for everything because we even cover a few things, disability stuff, if you need hearing aids or glasses or, you know, if you need your batteries or anything like that. So there's other things that people might not think about. But there's a lot of things on there, some you don't need, but it gets the juices going and gives you a thought process, gives you some place to go. And uh, it's from a lot of years of experience of being out there. So, again, if you want that, just go to elkrose.com, join our elk camp, and you'll receive a link by Friday uh, to download that gear list. Okay? That's going to be some awesome content, Joe. And uh, what, a, what a great show with all the questions that we've had tonight from, from everybody. I've been uh, just overwhelmed with all the all the love and support that we're getting here from, from our listeners out there and our grinders. Um, you know, Joe, uh, we just look forward to next week. Yep. Uh, I, we're going to have a, a, a good show for the listeners next week. Uh, it's going to be fun. You're gonna be, where you're going to be doing the show from. <laughs> that, that's right. And, uh, you know, it's our softball season. So we're, uh, we're traveling around trying to get these girls committed uh, it's going to be fun, uh, a fun summer. And then I uh, can't wait to strap on the, the bow and arrow and come up to elk hunting country with you guys and, and get this thing done. And don't forget everybody, uh, still working hard on that uh, blue collar elk Academy. Um, it, you know, I've had different people that have been asking me about that. I, I am not able to give you a, a date when that's going to come out. All I can do is tell you, join our elk camp when we're getting close and on our on our show here, we'll we'll start saying when that's going to happen. Uh, it's it's so much work going into that, and hopefully, it's something that that uh, does you justice. And um, a, as a coach, um, gives you even more ability to flatten out that learning curve. So um, make sure you go to our our site. Uh, go ahead and uh, and join our camp, and we'll go keep you in the know. No doubt. Joe, we appreciate it. From Joe in New Mexico, I'm Gilbert Ornelas here from Dallas, Texas. <laughs> we have all of our grinders out there. God bless all of you. Husbands, kiss your wives. Wives, kiss your husbands. Hug your babies. Keep your broad head sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Good night. Good night, everybody. Good night.